Welcome to the panel. RNZ National and Tina Turner has left the building. We discuss her legacy at 4.30 with one of New Zealand's top vocalists. And have you seen her live? You may even have met Tina Turner. Let us know. 2101 by text or email me, the panel at rnz.co.nz. Also today, a government campaign telling people to take five-minute showers to save on power bills in the cost-of-living crisis. Uh, National's Chris Bishop calls it risable. They're not the only ones. Poverty action campaign is also. My question on that is, why does anyone need a shower longer than five minutes? Also today, call them Generation Dry. A new study has found a dramatic drop in youth drinking over the last 20 years. Why? What's happening? And I came across a couple of knitted coat hangers in the studio. We'll bring that up at 425. It's winter. It's cold. I'm asking for a friend. What's a good craft to take on during winter? What sort of craft do you do in the evening while, I don't know, you listen to nights on RNZ National? Text me, 2101. Email the panel at rnz.co. With me this afternoon, Anna Dean, brand and business consultant. Kia ora, good to have you here. Kia ora, Wallace, lovely to be in the studio. Lovely to have you. Also with us in the Christchurch studio, Peter Field, Head of Humanities at the University of Canterbury. Kia ora, Peter. Hello, a little jealous. I'd love to be with the two of you, but we'll be there in uh, in spirit. Do I feel like a group hug? Let's do it. There we go. <laughs> there we go. We're putting our arms around we're putting, you, Peter. We're, yep. we're putting our arms around you, Peter. Now, by the way, the panel, if you can't listen to it uh, live, the panel is on Spotify. Go there and you'll see all the details. There is a new campaign calling on the government to do more to protect our tamariki online. They want to see changes to what can be accessed online. There's a list of over 200,000 URLs that are internationally blocked, but our government is only blocking a portion of that. And it's one of the more vexing parenting problems, isn't it? Uh, When is the right time to introduce your child to their first phone? One of uh, the people behind the Make Sense campaign is Joe Robertson, uh, who is a sexual health and parent consultant. Joe, kia ora. Kia ora. Thanks for having me. Tell us more about this campaign. Why did you see a need for it? Well, I've been researching the porn landscape and also working with young people and children and mostly in and around trauma for a long, long time. And I have seen little to no change in terms of the online landscape and what they can come across. We really want to see some pretty big changes. This is not about general mainstream porn, but about the illegal content that any, you know, five, six, seven, eight-year-old could actually come across at any moment. So we want to see some uh, mandates for the illegal genres, bestiality, rape porn, slavery porn, etc. And then we want to see default safe searching for from the internet providers that can be opted off. And then the last thing that we really want to see is when people are searching for illegal content that they would be redirected to support services. Guys, the, so what you just described that there, I mean, that's pretty... These are pretty, that's pretty heavy content, isn't it? Give us an example that you've come across or you've heard about of just randomly coming across these types of sites. And can you, as a young person, just come across these sites? Absolutely. I can give countless examples from families, but I'll just use one from myself even. 
you know, I was on YouTube probably three weeks ago and I, one part of my job is searching for content and seeing what's available. We put in some pretty benign kind of, <laughs> I guess, vanilla searches. <laughs> so we put in boy kisses girl yeah. and I saw child sexual content on YouTube three weeks ago. We also know that families all the time are dealing with their kids coming across illegal content. There is so little filtered out in this country, and there has been no change in decades since you know Google emerged for us all. Let's go around the panel on this one. Anna Dean. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting question. I worked on a spin-off series last year with Chris Parker and Eli Mathewson called Chris and Eli's Porn Revolution, which was really around trying to change the conversation and, and update it and um, avoid a, a moral panic as such um, because often sometimes it can't be as bad as, as we, we think, but there obviously is a, a, a huge amount that, that people can access, it, and it is very worrying. I guess my main question is where in the world is this being done effectively? You say that New Zealand doesn't block any of this content, but I actually can't think of anywhere else around the world that they do. Is that the case, Joe? Well, I think there's a couple of different layers in, in what you're asking, which are great questions. One is around this mainstream porn industry, which is what the porn, you know, the spin-off porn week was about last year. Mm. And this is about illegal content, which is a different conversation. Uh, so there's the mainstream stuff, and then there's the stuff that exhibits right. illegal behaviours. So that's, we're, we're really focusing on that. Um, mm. And there are places, you know, even in New Zealand where this is being done more effectively. For example, there is a external filtering provider called Safe Surfer, and they're filtering out 40,000 URLs that are known to have child sexual content on them, as opposed to the New Zealand government filtering out 527. Is that so it? There are is that 0.2% of, of the known gosh, URLs. Out of 200,000? All right, Peter Field. Hi there, Joe. Um, well, it's really good to hear you, and it's, I guess, frustrating if you're at the bottom of the cliff, if you have, as you've been... Um, you want to get somewhere else, right? You want to get at the top of the cliff and find ways to avoid things so that people don't end up crashing. I, I, my question for you would be related to uh, gender. Um, I think the news is not good all around, but is it especially bad for girls? Yeah, what we see in the wealth of research now is that when people consume violent content, which is almost always targeted at women, people come to, young people particularly because they're more vulnerable, come to accept and accept aggression during their sexual encounters. So if you're a young girl now growing up in the current online landscape, then yeah, you can probably anticipate some pretty negative sexual experiences. All right. Now, um, the other aspect, of that's, um, that's quite interesting, isn't it? You, you, such a simple search like girl kisses boy, and it shows up this type of content. Um, the other related aspect to this is one that many ask, and that is how young is too young for your kids to have access to phones? A perennial question. <laughs> yeah, such a good one. I mean, I think that the conversation around individual devices really should only start at 13. And that's a conversation. It might not mean here is a device right now. I don't think that anyone under the age of 10 at least minimum should have free access to a platform like YouTube or oh, have you know, a phone in their room. So I think you can, you know, like my kids will sometimes watch YouTube, but in the presence of my company or they're right next to me as it's happening because there is 
so much problematic content on this really mainstream yeah. 13, platform. 13, 13, uh, mm, that does feel, I'm just trying to think, a little bit late. I don't know. Peter, you've got children. What about you? Yeah, I definitely do. And look, there is no one solution. The most important thing is to share everything. So if you've got a good household, a mother and a father together, and you share most of life, then, you know, you have a chance, a chance then to, they're going to discover things. Isn't that right, Joe? It's who they come and talk to about it. So if they trust their mother, and we have three daughters, so believe me, it's the mother, thank God for that. Um, but they trust her and they go to her and they talk to her and she tells them about their experience so that it's not hidden and hidden away. Joe? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You know, we want to create, cultivate family relationships, which, um, you know, allow for transparency, vulnerability and honest communication. I think, you know, it's easy to stay in this mainstream conversation, this kind of general one, but we do still need to do some prevention of those really little ones coming across such violent content. Thank you very much, Joe. Really appreciate it there. That's Joe Robertson uh, behind the Make Sense campaign. Uh, someone says, I'm a retired older adult. I've been shocked by porn appearing on my phone. I don't know where it came from, how it got there. Have never looked for anything vaguely related, I don't think. But a friend looked up turkey stuffing and was surprised <laughs> we don't want to by know. the result. Don't look up turkey stuffing. Why would you want to stuff a turkey? Anyway, I don't know. That's interesting, isn't it? Okay, uh, let's jump into <laughs> Anna, you take it away with your I've been thinking. Well, I've been thinking this week, sometimes there are little terms that you hear in conversation and then you realise that it's having a moment. And for me, the term that I've come across in the last couple of days and then actually listened to a fantastic podcast from The Detail on RNZ about it was um, about this concept of greedflation. And it really came to mind because I was in the St Albans car... Um, the supermarket in Christchurch earlier this week, and avocados were $8. And I was told by my friends that, yes, this is because of the uh, delays and the bad weather that's been in the Hawke's Bay, and um, these delays are causing these price rises. And I'm like, at where I live in Golden Bay, I can get a bag of avocados still for a dollar fifty, and they're in season. What? A and bag? A, a bag, bag for a yes, dollar fifty? Yes, yes. Just up the road in Clifton. Fantastic. Delicious tomato uh, <laughs> avocados. And I'm really just wondering, I mean, it feels, I mean, there is this this increasing awareness that greedflation can be playing a part into some of these price rises. And, you know, is anyone actually doing an investigation into where these market supplies are coming from? Are there any suppliers out there who can this vouch is, this for this? This is the notion that um, suppliers or uh, producers or what have you, retailers, are taking advantage of the inflationary environment to just do a little bit of a markup. Absolutely, because people oh. expect it. We're being told that this is happening at the moment. Um, we've uh, had our price rises on various things, household items and um, you know petrol. But these vegetables, and I was just like, really, $8? It just seems like that was weeks ago now. I mean, I don't know about supply chains, but I'm just interested to know if people examples, have information out there. Okay, examples of greedflation. Thank mm. you, Anadine. All right, uh, Peter Field, I've been thinking. Right, well, I'm going to go a very different direction here. Um, I'm a historian, and history is one of the old subjects um, we've had a long time. And I've been reading a book with a great title, called The Dawn of Everything. I'm sure avocados are in here too. <laughs> um, a, a New History of Humanity. And it's not about Aotearoa. 
Uh, but it does speak to a lot of our concerns about indigeneity, indigenous peoples, and colonization. And in this my was, view, this, this was a uh, quite a acclaimed book, isn't it? It won, I think, it was a finalist for the Orwell Prize for political writing. Well, let me see if I can deflate that balloon. <laughs> Um, anyway, this book, I, in my view, is a big warning to be careful oh. uh, that romanticizing a golden age uh, before the bad people come is bad history. It's certainly bad world history. And I found this book to be dreadful. So I'm not really? going to mention it again. Oh, is I that did. right? Okay. A- yes, a- yes. And, and so anyway, for us, at least it's just good to remember that as these authors do, we should not assume that we live in an evil dystopia, and that paradise can be regained, especially sort of with a blind faith in the other, who is blameless for a present predicament, right? It's beyond foolish. It's dangerous, I think, to contrast, as this book does, some sort of people who are non-hierarchical, free, living within nature with a group of people who, what, thwart the good by capitalism, colonialism, and racism. Uh, so the okay. dawn of everything calls this alternative history. Yeah, it's, 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 it's certainly um, ignites a lot of interest. It concluded, by the way, because I've been reading about it, it concluded that there was no agricultural revolution, but a process of slow change taking thousands of years to unfold on each of the world's continents and sometimes ending in a demographic, demographic collapse. Historians yes, a great insight. The evolution, the agricultural evolution yeah. is a much better idea. So, uh, yeah, okay. So um, Peter Field, historian here, has just um, given it a, a zero out of ten. <laughs> uh, but uh, look, but yes. no, no, no reason not to read it, huh, to uh, make up your own minds. Very good. A um, lot of response regarding phones. Our kids, ooh, our kids weren't allowed a phone until they could afford to buy it and had a part-time job, job so they could afford to feed it. Uh, our offspring, uh, uh, 20s and early 30s, so we were right at the beginning of widespread use of mobile phones. Yep, a lot to discuss this afternoon on the panel uh, in the National with Anna Dean and Peter Field.